This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome, Cherries fans, to this latest edition of Cherry Picking here at Up the Cherries in all departments. Um, if you do like what we do, please hit the subscribe button. And if you are on Spotify, please do follow us as well. So you're up to date with all of our latest audio pods as well. Um, and also, we're on Google and Apple Pods and everywhere. Um, we are absolutely everywhere aware now. <laughs> but, of course, he needs no introduction now. To the right of me, I have got Manny. How you doing, Manny? All good, Craig. All good. Been a long time. I mean, not too long since we did some cherry picking, but every uh, the longer the gap gets, the more it feels like a long time. It's just um, a fun thing to do. So, glad to be back. Let's get at it. Definitely, definitely. And, um, of course, there is a big game coming up this weekend um, between our two teams. Of course, Manny, you are an Arsenal fan at half, heart, but, um, yeah, of course, you do have a soft spot for the Cherries as well, don't you? Yes, I do. I mean, like, um, I would, I mean, before being involved with um, UTCIAD, obviously, I knew how Bournemouth um, would play. And obviously, I've seen them in the Premiership long enough to know that they do play a good um, brand of football. I mean, I did see them mostly under Eddie Howe. And uh, certainly the endeavour that um, the team shows is one to, um, you know, praise. And ever since, of course, being more involved and sort of being allowed to offer my views as more of an external interloper, as it were, um, I have definitely got a, a huge soft spot for them. And, you know, a few other teams as well definitely are teams which are in some ways close to my heart in a way. So I do start to, um, uh, you know, think of them quite a bit. I'm more of a football guy, Craig. I mean, obviously, Arsenal is my um, main team of choice. But when you have a brother-in-law who's a Tottenham supporter, you've got to be polite and you've got to be well-reasoned. <laughs> and um, speaking of which, I was on a stream with Eugene from Eugene Spurs Asia yes. TV earlier. He sends his best wishes. And um, he's going through some uh, health issues right now. Not very serious, but hopefully he will be um, fine and back to his uh, best as always. Yep. And we do pass on our best wishes to Eugene as well. And I will be reaching out to him very, very shortly as well. Um, make sure he's okay. Well, let's 
firstly, before we start talking about the game, let's talk about, of course, the Carabao Cup, but also let's talk about Wolves. And as everybody will know, and, you know, this is something that I've wanted to mention, I'm a big supporter of Gary O'Neill's. Now, Gary O'Neill did a fantastic job at this football club when he took over from Scott Parker. And yet again, you know, okay, he was 2-0 up against Ipswich Town. They lost 3-2. There is a number of our fan base enjoying, celebrating when, you know, something goes wrong for Gary. And another thing I've got to say is one thing that I saw, um, I think it personality of a lettuce or something something like that to be honest somebody put out but there is somebody even mentioned that he won the lottery twice I don't think he did I think at the end of the day he got the opportunity because of Scott Parker and what Scott Parker did at that time which was voice out against the owners of course never a good thing to do he got the opportunity. He took that opportunity with two hands. He kept us in the Premier League. Yes, there was things he did wrong. Yes, he was too defensive. Yes, he made substitution mistakes. But he kept us up. And then that's how he's got the job at Wolves. It's not winning the lottery twice. And yeah, Ryan Lowe, which was a manager that was mentioned, is a good manager. But, you know, at the end of the day, Gary was in the right place at the right time. And it, it's, it's ridiculous. People just harking back to former managers and enjoying, you know, especially a manager. You know, I can understand somebody like Jimmy Quinn, you know, who didn't particularly pave himself in glory. And I know that there's people that don't like Eddie Mitchell. I, I quite like Eddie Mitchell, but there's people that don't. And Maybe Eddie Mitchell was a Marmite character our previous owner, um, before Maxim, of course. And that's fair enough. I think some of that is warranted, but not with Gary O'Neill, who has done absolutely nothing. Um, but Manny, it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's disgusting. It really is. And, you know, it's a, it's a thing with certain managers, really, Craig, that um, if they aren't really you know, um, fondly remembered by the fans if they didn't do a good job, if they never endeared themselves to the faithful, then they're not very fondly remembered. And certainly um, there are some valid reasons. I can think of certain managers who, you know, for some reason never endeared themselves to certain clubs. Terry Venables is certainly a case in point. Uh, what he did at Leeds United in the half season that he was there, he literally was the one who, you know, accelerated that club's decline from being uh, European contenders to effectively getting relegated at the end of the 2003-2004 season. And um, if any uh, Leeds, if you ask any Leeds fan what their memories are of um, El Tell, they'll say, well, they weren't very positive memories of him. In no. fact, uh, apparently, um, you know, one particular incident um, concerned the uh, then Leeds and in in Leeds number one and England number two, Nigel Martin, who made a responsible decision not to go on the uh, pre-season tour to the uh, Far East, having just uh, been been a part of the England squad that went to um, the Far East for the World Cup in 2002. Now, um, 
uh, I read an article which I think was either in the Telegraph or the Observer, I forget which, spoke about how uh, Martin felt absolutely ostracized by Venables, who apparently was filming for an episode of Wish You Were Here, and told Martin over the phone that because of his decision to um, skip the preseason tour, he would apparently never play for um, Leeds again as long as he was manager. And it was a disgusting decision, really, because um, although Paul Robinson did make a few decent saves and have a few decent performances... He never had the consistency which warranted him staying in the team ahead of Martin, who was always a step better, who in some cases was perhaps unlucky not to have gotten more England caps. But then when you've got David Seaman in front of you, I mean, you can't really blame the manager for picking um, Seaman ahead of Martin anyway. And um, that Eltel, before going any further, Eltel is an example of that. But when you think of Gary O'Neill... Um, you did mention it. He did make some mistakes. He was a bit too defensive. And certainly the last few games where uh, Bournemouth didn't exactly perform too well and ended yeah. up um, losing games, uh, maybe one or two of which they could have fancied him themselves to win. Certainly the Everton game was um, a one they should have looked looked forward to winning. Um, that probably left a bit of uh, a sour taste in the mouths of Bill Foley and company. And they decided, you know what, we've got to try and move on and move forward. And it was a ruthless decision. So. What angers me about that is um, the work that Gary O'Neill did, the remit at uh, that point in the season when he replaced Scott Parker was to try and steady the ship and keep the Cherries in the Premier League um, any which way. And it's not like um, you lot finished um, in Everton's position where you just avoided relegation by the skin of your teeth. No, you you avoided relegation with games to go. And that Four is games. a pretty darn, uh, yeah, that's a pretty darn good yeah. job under the circumstances. It really is. And so how people can, you know, be disappoint, uh, be, you know, disparaging towards him and say, well, good riddance to him. There's a part of me that thinks it's a little bit like um, it's sour grapes in a way. It's a bit not that I've had any experience because in this because I haven't been in a relationship before, hard as it is to believe. Mm. It's a little bit like, you know, when you break up with someone and you're trying to get over them. You know, yeah. you could say it's a combination of denial and sour grapes, um, you know. These type of types of fans will probably say, you know, Gaz was never good enough for us, and it's great that he's fail, um, failing. But I wonder if that's a way of possibly masking the fact that, with all due respect, Bournemouth haven't exactly had the best of starts under Andoni Areola, because um, obviously people knew that um, when he came into the team, you weren't going to expect results immediately, and you've also had your fair share of injuries to deal with as well. But um, as I was saying backstage, the fact what should be not forgotten is that Wolverhampton is still a put um, one place ahead of Bournemouth right now, and you know Wolves has lost to Ipswich isn't really a shameful thing because Ipswich, you know the Tractor Boys, they're actually flying high in the Championship and they've got sights on coming back into the Premier League for the first time in um, several years, of course, and. If um, one remembers, they were one of the original 20 teams when the Premiership first came into being in 1992-93. So to just disparage Gary O'Neill is utterly, utterly uncalled for. And if you are really happy with Andoni Ariel and you believe in the, in the uh, uh, progress you're making and so forth, then, you know, you've just got to stick with it. And you've just got to, if you don't, if you can't say anything nice, just shut your gob and stay in your lane. And uh, let Gary do his job at Wolves, and you focus on trying to give Andoni the support that he needs and the boys the support that they need. 
that guy had you know gloating over someone's misfortune, especially especially given that, with all due respect, at least for now, they're still doing uh, marginally better than you. So it's utterly uncalled for, and, and it's a little bit like when Arsenal fans still see it fit to disparage Unai Emery. That bloke actually did a good deal. G- g- did some really good things for us in his first season. In the second season, unfortunately, things took uh, a bad turn and we didn't see any light at the end of the tunnel, so we had to get rid of him. But the amount of support that Arteta has been given um, in what will now be his fourth full season, especially leading up to now and the money that he spent, it's, um, you know, we have a right to expect more. And when he won the FA Cup in his half season with us, that was effectively with Unai Emery's team. And he saw it fit to break up that team in a way by, you know, telling Emmy Martinez um, to be on your way if you're not willing to accept playing second fiddle. And look how he's turned out. And several others like Kieran Tierney, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Nicola Pepe, and uh, um, several others, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, they were all eventually told that he they weren't going to be a part of his so-called process and what has the process given us and before anyone talks about last season's second place finish we bottled that title win and that is not something that we can ever be proud of um it is easy to say well you know you started magnificently and you were ahead but as mo farah will tell you um tributes to the great man who retired recently Nobody remembers the person who led the pack at the beginning and the middle. They only remember the winner. And so if you lead the pack, if you set the pace but aren't able to keep up the pace, you will end up losing. It's as simple as that. I think you've worded it perfectly, Mally, really. And my thoughts entirely. Um, When Gary was here, there was so much horrible stuff that was put on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now Elon Musk decides to call it there was so much horrible stuff put about him and don't get me wrong I think there's been mistakes that he's made at Wolves you know some Mm -hmm. of the substitutions I've seen that he's made at Wolves I don't agree with but he hasn't won the lottery what he's done is he's taken an opportunity at Bournemouth both hands and ran with it and kept us up because if Scott Parker had been allowed to continue, we would have got relegated. Most definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think Gary deserves so much more credit. Um, you know, if Wolves decide that they want to move on or sack him, then that is entirely their decision. But I think you know, from a Bournemouth perspective, I think we should show a lot more respect to the man. Um, because who was to say that Marcelo Bielsa, the man that everybody wanted to come in at the time, and to be honest, I was a little bit excited about it as well when his name was mentioned. Who's to say that he would have kept us up? Who says that, and this is honestly what I think happened. You know, I can't verify. I don't know exactly from the club, but I think what had happened is they did have a look at other managers. They did pick out Iriola, but Iriola, being a loyal man, decided, because of course he didn't go to Leeds, being a loyal man, decided to see out his contract with Rayo Vallecano before making the move. Now, of course, Leeds were relegated, so that ruled them out. But personally that's what i think happened so gary was effectively like an interim boss 
but he did a good job. I, I don't blame Wolves at all for you know making that call. What angers me as well about the whole Bournemouth thing is that um, in lieu of his performances, O'Neill was actually offered um, a full-time contract extension, if memory serves me right. Yeah. He was offered the chance to manage um, the club beyond that season. So they never should have offered him that um, carrot, or in this case, um, cherry, and yeah. uh, ask him to um, take it. If they ended up, if if they were to end up taking it, taking it away from him, him a little bit later, I always say, Craig, um, in the words of the great English economist John Maynard Keynes, that when facts change, people are entitled to change their minds. But you know, the club owed it to him to be a lot more straight with him and say, you know what, we would like you to um, see out this season. We're really delighted with the um, work that you've done in stabilising the club. But um, we are going to be straight with you and say that we will subject your this season to a review. And if we think that we can um, you know, improve um, beyond that or sort of go a little bit better, then we may ask you to leave, but you will leave with our thanks and our best wishes. Instead, they offer him a contract. He signs it. At the end of the season, they decide, you know what, we're dismissing you. I only hope they gave him a more than decent um, you know, severance, severance package. And with a championship connection, it's a little bit like what's, been, what's happening with Huddersfield Town at the moment. Shout out to Huddersfield Town Fan TV and Ryan Mather, who was on this channel not too long ago um, for one of your um, call-in shows, I think. Yes, and, yes. Um, yeah, and um, what happened with Neil Warnock and Ronnie Jepson, mm. for instance, when they were supposed to retire or quit coaching at the end of that season where they pulled off that magnificent escape, um, they were somehow convinced to stay uh, and then told that... Um, you know, their services were no longer uh, were needed because they were able to find a replacement. Sadly, that replacement turned out to be someone from within in the form of Darren Moore. Go figure. Yeah. But, um, you know, that's another example of how the board um, can some boards can sometimes be a bit duplicitous with certain managers. Um, they should have um, respected Warnock's decision, uh, along with Ronnie's, to... Um, you know, call it quits, and then start the process of looking for a new manager if they had some seriousness about it. To ask him to ask them to effectively, you know, um, uh, take the job on an interim um, basis for only a few games and then say, you know what, we don't need you anymore, that's almost as bad, I would say, as um, O'Neill um, being told that he had to leave Bournemouth because, you know, after what they did to reduce them to, you know, uh, an absolutely... Um, a throwaway caretaker position, both Neil and Ronnie, was just awful. So, you know, it was funny how um, Roy Keane, in his um, in one of his um, interviews, spoke about how players had become expensive pieces of meat. Maybe in some ways, uh, managers have also become expendable pieces of meat, as it were, because there doesn't seem doesn't seem to be any sense of, you know, fairness or honesty or loyalty. Um, going about these days, and especially if certain managers have earned the right to um, expect a little, um, you know, transparency at least, if not loyalty, yeah. it's it, it's horrible. So, in a nutshell, let me say that um, Gary O'Neill deserves a lot more respect. He doesn't deserve any of the abuse that he's been getting. I think he was done a little bit dirty by the uh, board, but just move on and support um, Andoni and. 
um, just, just try, try and, um, you know, take it further if that's what you want us to do. And hopefully, you know, given how well Bournemouth performed last night um, in Stoke, um, against Stoke, and it could very well be that the Carabao Cup um, could see you with some chance of, um, you know, go, having a good cup run or maybe even earning some silverware. Let's see how well you do there. Well, we've got Liverpool in the next round, so we shall see. But then again... You, then you again, beat them 1-0 at Dean Court, mind you, last yes. year. So, hopefully, fingers crossed. And, of course, Man City are out of the competition as well. Man United and Newcastle have to play each other as well. So, there is, you know, a path, you know, opening itself up for the right team. So, we shall see. And, you know, it'd be nice to get that little bit of silverware. My question is, is would I really want that over Premier League? Premier League is our bread and butter. That is, yes. you know, the be all and end all. You know, winning a cup, but then getting relegated is no good. You know, I honestly want to make sure that our safety is assured. Because, um, of course, Wigan did that, won the FA Cup, got relegated um, against Man yep. City. And look at where yep. they are now. So, yeah. Going back on to... Because, actually, it's quite interesting what we, we're talking about, Gary O'Neill. Um, Iriola, um, I did make a comparison, actually, about Gary O'Neill didn't play the most attractive football. He was very, very much direct. Um, he was sometimes a bit grotty in places, a bit, and sometimes the substitutions didn't make sense. But there was quite a number of goals um yes we did concede a lot but we got some results you know under our belt now one thing that concerns me about Iriola is the style of football is a lot lot better in fact it reminds me of Arteta when he just took the job at Arsenal because it was passing football it's beautiful football it's pretty football but we don't seem to be scoring as many goals. Dominic Solanke has done well, but we're not getting goals from elsewhere. But also, we're making mistakes at the back. And what I'm thinking is, that's my main concern, is it's all well and good playing beautiful football, but there is teams that have been relegated. And Arsenal maybe could afford to do that a lot more to be honest, Arsenal were in a better position anyway to do that. You know, we've come from a style of football which has been very defensive. You know, sometimes it's not been pretty. We've changed the whole philosophy. Arsenal were always miles ahead of us. There has been teams, of course, that have been relegated playing beautiful football. And that is my main concern about Iriola at this moment in time. I think, Craig, you might also want to get into perspective the fact that not only have some injuries to the likes of Tyler Adams and company negatively yeah. impacted you, you also have had some pretty tough fixtures against the likes of Liverpool and others. Yeah. Um, that Brighton team, which you faced, for instance, I mean, the way you took the lead, um, that was a dreadful goalkeeping mistake. And had you kicked on from there, you know, you could possibly have um, beaten that Brighton team, which does play mm. some some attractive football, but which somehow, for some reason, is maddeningly inconsistent. I mean, let's face it, this is the same team which qualified for the Europa League last season, finishing in sixth, but they somehow contrived to lose 5-1 at home 
to an Everton team that was fighting tooth and nail to stay in the Premiership. Mm. And they played some good football this season, but ended up losing 3-0 at home to Brighton and to West Ham United. And um, we even beat them at the Emirates um, one time, I believe, if memory serves me right. So, you know, there, there are a lot of um, factors over here. And let's also not forget that there is the small matter of um, the three uh, teams that have been promoted from the championship, Burnley, Luton Town, and Sheffield United, who so far have not fa have not been able to completely fire on any cylinders, much less all of them. Burnley have so far been, you know, picked apart by so many teams. And it's a bit surprising given that defence was um, one of their main um, sources of um, winning the championship at a counter under Vincent Kompany. Um I mean, I don't want to be harsh on Jimmy Trafford, for instance, who was England's under-19 hero in the European Championships. And he's certainly been one of their better players. But defensively, for some reason, they've looked all over the shop and company's going to have to make some changes. Um, Luton Town have had to huff and puff before getting a few points themselves. Their game against West Ham, which I think they lost 3-4, showed that they were capable of scrapping hard. But probably without that, um, that level of quality in the team, they're going to um, struggle. And, of course, Sheffield United, well, I'm not going to completely put the boot in, but this is the team that was on the receiving end of an 8-0 yeah. shellacking at the hands of the Magpies. So I'm not going to be overconfident and say you don't have to worry about relegation because those three teams, unless they completely get their act together, at least by December, they're not going to you know, really uh, be um, strong enough to avoid relegation. But you haven't played any of those teams yet. And I'd like to no. think that with the um, squad composition you have, you should be able, more than capable of uh, picking up results against them and sort of letting that football of yours do the talking. And just taking a look at the um, uh, formation that you applied against Stoke, for instance, I know it's not the normal Premier League. Um, it wasn't the Premier League, but you do have the same 4-2-3-1 formation, which yeah. we, believe it or not, used to our benefit last season when we went on that amazing run at the beginning of the season. Because we had Gabriel Jesus, who was able to play as a lone striker, he could score a few goals, others could score some goals, and everything was rosy in the garden. But then when he got injured, we had to move to a 4-3-3. And that, the consequence of that is, as we saw in the North London derby, Spurs had yeah, um, Yves Bissouma and Pape Saab playing as the two defensive midfielders be, um, in front of the back four, just as um, uh, Rothwell and Lewis Cook were, Joe Rothwell and Lewis Cook were doing when you lot played against Stoke. And those two guys, Bissouma and Saab, were able to outmuscle our rather thin midfield of Odegaard, Declan Rice, and Fabio Vieira. And I say thin. Uh, it doesn't do it justice. Fabio Vieira is literally like a stick. That guy yes. needs to have some good old. That guy needs to, need, needs to tuck in some good old Portuguese or Brazilian barbecue ASAP. Um, and I and I kid you not. There's nothing like a Brazilian churrasco. It's absolutely delicious. But uh, is it? <laughs> you know they yeah they they outmuscled our three man midfield those two. And so um, Rice and Vieira were, were brought off a half time. And we had to bring on Jorginho and Kai Havertz, the two Chelsea rejects, but also two Chelsea Champions League winners to try and add some experience and um, depth to our midfield. A fat lot of good that did us, I tell you. So this 4-2-3-1 formation seems to be, you know, a new blueprint of a formation to adopt. And it was good to see Adam Smith coming back into the side at right back and Kirk is yeah. slotting in at the left with uh, Senesi and Zabani 
in the centre of defence and uh, the Romanian Radu in goal instead of Neto, the captain. If, mem- if memory serves me right, I think Adam Smith must have worn the, worn the armband yesterday. I don't remember. Yes. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. And then, of course, um, David Brooks, Dongo Tara. Semenyo, of course, was the lone forward. And you had uh, Bertrand Traore, I think, the... Um, uh, Burkino Faso International, if memory serves me right. Oh, no, no, no. Dongo, D- Dongo Atara is Burkino yeah. Faso International. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Traore, yes, yeah. Ivory Coast. Ivory yes. Coast. Ivory yeah. Coast, I think, yeah. yeah. So, I got mixed up today, people. My apologies, everyone. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so... Interestingly enough, um, Stoke also adopted um, a 4-2-3-1 formation. I think everyone seems to be doing that these days. But with the players that you've got, especially Brooks and Atara on the wing, you were able to um, have players who could easily make runs through the channels and also come back to um, sort of help out in that area of midfield and provide Semenyo some decent service. Um, Obviously, you know, in the first half, it wasn't um, easy because it ended goalless. But then Solanke came on for uh, Semenyo at half time, only to replace, but and was replaced by Kiefer Moore five minutes from the end. Yeah. And then he was the one who got the goal, and then Rothwell combined. So it was a sort of a patient game, which is probably the way you had to play against a team like Stoke, but then you got the goals you needed. And so it might only be a matter of time before, once the likes of Justin Kluivert and others, you know, uh, come back into the team. Um, Ryan Christie, of course, don't forget him, and also Marcus Tavernier. Um, I mentioned uh, Kiefer War. Max Aaron's also sat this yeah. one out, which was a bit of a surprise. But um, clearly, you know, you've got the system and you've got the players. It really only should be a matter of time before you start to get uh, some good results. The trick is you might need to improve your concentration, especially at the back. And, um, you know, it could very well be that you will need to experience with a couple of um, defensive formations. Now that, of course, Jack Stevens has left the club, you probably don't need to experience with um, a back five anymore. And it will be quite difficult to see um, how Lloyd Kelly comes back into the team, but he will be an option going forward. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, you will need to focus a lot more on the defensive side of things and make sure that the likes of Zabani or Senesi or whoever is in um, that yeah. um, the back four that day will have a good understanding, and then obviously whoever plays on the um, plays of the full plays of the full backs will also have a big role to play, especially if um, it's um, if, especially if they're full backs that can overlap um, all the better, because against our four three three formation, as we'll discuss once we get into the game, you could have some ha- have a um, have some say on how uh, on how the game is you could have some influence on the game, especially, um, you know, with the defensive midfielders that you have. Yep, most definitely. And I think, you know, we controlled the game yesterday against Stoke. You know, we we managed it well. Um, but again, I just don't feel sometimes there's a point where, and when Solanke come on, we did go a little bit more direct for a period of time before reverting back into that slow passing style. It's beautiful football to watch. There is no doubt about that. It is beautiful football to watch. But one of my main concerns is that we're just not... We're not putting teams to bed. We're not putting teams to bed. Against Brighton, I think, you know, that was probably the best example. So we went 1-0 up early on. You know, excellent goal. Then 
what we did have was a number of chances. Yes, we should have had a penalty as well. We don't seem to still get those, but we had opportunities and we didn't take them. And then there was that stupid mistake at the back, which Neto, I feel, you know, Neto's been excellent for us. And there is people that start to get on Neto's back now as well. The, you know, he should have called and commanded for that ball against Kirkes. The points he's gained us, though, both this year and last year, though, I can't knock him. Every When a goalkeeper makes a mistake, Manny, it normally ends up resulting in a goal for the opposition team. And that seems to be what happened in this case. What did disappoint me, though, and I'm sure you've seen this, 16 seconds was on the clock in the second half. And from our own kickoff, we've conceded by Matoma. And I'm sorry to say it, but I, I just, that's disappointing. That's disappointing. Um, so I think there's a lot of stuff to do, but I'm hoping Iriola gets it right. I'm not knocking Iriola. I think the style of football is excellent. It's one of two things. Either, you know, his style hasn't really been adopted by the team as yet. And, you know, the team are going to get there. Or that he was carried, and I don't think this is the case. He was carried by a Velicano team, you know, who were excellent a group and a combination of players that come together at the right time and it effectively carried him because there has been those situations in the past, but I'm sure it's the former. Um, but do do tell us your memories of the Arteta pass, 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 do nothing with it. And how long do, how long do we have, uh, do we give Iriola? If things don't improve, because we've got three big games coming up after Arsenal, and I want to see, and I'm hoping we see in this game, because I really do like Iriola, but I want to see in this game that things have been put right. We might not necessarily win the game, and that's fair enough, but if things have been put right from what I saw at Brighton, that's the main thing for me, because we've got Everton, Wolves, and then Burnley, and personally, we should be picking up six points at the very, very, very minimum from those three games. If not, we should be winning all three of them because, you know, I know we've said about Gary O'Neill, um, but none of those teams are in any good form. Couldn't agree more. And um, having said that, though, you might want to be very wary of Everton, who have now just won two on the bounce. They shocked yeah. Brentford at the um, GTEC Community Stadium as so a 3-1 with Dominic Calvert-Lewin coming back and scoring. And of course, um, Villa fans will not want to remember last night's game at all. It was a dreadful game for them with um, players playing in some really wonky positions, um, some terrible individual mistakes, and they never really looked like getting back into it. And that game for them, obviously, you know, underlined the chasm that exists between their first team and their um, fringe players too. And yeah. um, Wolves also, I think O'Neill will be determined to try to put one over on, on the Cherries. And yeah. Burnley, of course, um, Burnley have shown some promise, especially during the away draw against Nottingham Forest. But they are a team which will still, you know, 
just huff and puff, but they will definitely have some, you know, defensive sloppiness in them as well. So I would say that given the circumstances, Andoni might be given until December or January to try to, you know, see see things through, or maybe February or March, because let's assume that he goes to January and the team is in a decent position. At least he might be given some backing to um, dip his fingers into the transfer market and try and get some players who could, you know, strengthen the squad. Maybe another uh, decent striker, someone with experience who could um, back up um, Solanke or some other um, defenders, maybe. I mean, maybe, the, I mean, the squad might be chock full of defenders at this point. The only problem is um, a number of them might be injured at the moment. And um, I would also think that he might want to give the injured players time to come back into the team and try and, uh, you know, blood them yeah. in. Because you take a look at someone like Tyler Adams, for instance, that bloke is quality, mate. And yeah. seeing him perform for the US in the World Cup against England, you know what he will lend to a team. And he was, of course, one of Leeds' better players, despite their um, relegation last season. Mm -hmm. I think he will probably, uh, Andoni will probably be given until um, maybe January at the earliest or even February or March. And that will, of course, depend on how the club is um, at that particular time. Now, I do agree, of course, that you wouldn't want to um, be in a position where you have an excellent cup run, potentially wi win it, but then, you know, avoid, I mean, um, can't avoid getting relegated because, of course, the Premier League, as you've said, is your main mode of survival. And yeah. any cups are just, you know, um, at this particular point, um, a blow softener, as they were, or a punch softener, yeah. for want of a nicer word. But um, I would say that uh, with the prospect of a cup run, don't really look a gift horse in its mouth. But in addition, given that eight changes were made um, from the team that lost to Brighton um, for the match against Stoke, I think Andoni might be best advised to try to take a look at some of those changes and see why can't he... Um, adopt some of them and bring uh, those changes into the team for the match against Arsenal. Because let's bear in mind that um, in the 2021-22 season, <laughs> we began it with a record um, uh, for after our first three games of played three, lost three, scored none, conceded nine. And yep. um, a certain goalkeeper was given his chance to play for Arsenal in the League Cup and uh, didn't really disappoint. And lo and behold, in the next league game, that person ended up replacing Bernd Leno and ended up playing until the end of the season as we had a chance to qualify for the Champions League only to just falter at the end. But you can see that when you make, make that change sometimes, it can um, really improve the team. The name of that player? A certain Aaron Christopher Ramsdale? Yes. Former Cherry. Now, yeah. ironically, of course, he has been supplanted by um, the uh, ex-Brentford goalkeeper, mm -hmm. David Raya, who is still on loan, but we could end up buying him, just yeah. proving that <coughs> it's a cycle more than anything else. But uh, Andoni will be given some time, at least until January. But he might need to be a lot more proactive in terms of making some changes. And if he sees that there are some players who are able to maintain a good balance in that team, some of them could very well be brought in. Now, if I were to choose between Solanke and Semenyo to start against um, the Gunners, I'd, I'd pick Solanke any day of the week and twice on a Sunday. But there's no reason why um, the players who came in against Stoke and did well cannot force themselves into contention for a starting spot um, this weekend. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And I think Brooks. Brooks is a big one for me. So, of course, you know, David Brooks had, you know, Hodgkin's lymphoma. You know, he overcome that. I never imagined, and I didn't think he was going to get back to this level, but it shows, and it's full credit to him how he has but he's now ready most definitely in my mind to play 90 minutes or start again to get ourselves ahead and you know I think it was eight minutes against Brighton is he can't affect a game when we're 3-1 down and it's things like that that you know concern me at this moment in time but I think Iriola, you know, I've got full faith in him. I really do like him. He is honest in his press conferences, and that's a great thing. That's a great attribute. Um, He's the first person, honestly, you know, since Eddie Howe, who is 100%, you know, straight to the point. You know, he says what he's thinking. Gary O'Neill, you know, he was honest, but... You know, he didn't really come out and just, but Andoni will literally, you know, say it as it is, say it as it is. Um, And I like that in a manager. Of course, he's coming up against a Basque manager in Arteta. And this is what's going to be interesting, because this will be the first bout between him and a Basque manager and I believe, well, of course, Xavi um, Alonso is another Basque manager. Um, and I personally, I think, you know, this might play into his hands because he's going to be on the attack, the pressing high, as will Arteta. You know, Arteta plays a similar sort of way. Um, do you think this, this is quite a difficult test for Arteta because he's coming up against, like, when he comes up against Unai Emery, who is another man who plays in a similar sort of way, do you think that this is a, a bit of a different sort of test for Arteta this weekend? I believe you, me, Craig. With the injuries that have started to pile up, we are going to be up against it. Because bear in mind, for the North London derby, we didn't have Gabriel Martinelli or Leandro Trossard yep. available. So we had to play Gabriel Jesus on the left just to accommodate Eddie and Ketia in the middle. And mm. again, a fat lot of good that did us because, again, Eddie, you know, he tried to run about a lot and try and get himself into positions. But Mickey van der Ven had the better of him. One brilliantly crunching tackle in the first half pretty much epitomized that. And Jesus was yeah. clearly more of the uh, more potent attacking threat. 
Hopefully, Trossard should be okay. The muscle issue which kept him out um, of the North London derby should be resolved by now, but Martinelli will be out. There is a great deal of talk of Bukayo Saka and Declan Rice not being fit. So, mm. effectively, we could be without three of our more influential first-teamers. And Rice's potential absence means that we are stuck invariably with either having to play Jorge, Jorge Freo, Jorginho, or Mohamed Elneny, who came on as a substitute against Brentford and didn't look too bad after a long layoff. But we're not going to be going to Dean, coming to Dean Court with our best team. And uh, it certainly won't make um, Aaron happy that he'll be on the bench and not get a chance to play in front of the Dean Court faithful who um, still remember him very fondly um, from that season uh, several years ago. I mean, it probably was about three years ago, I think. That was the season when, ironically, Arsenal won the FA Cup. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we're not exactly going to come to Dean Court with our strongest team. And there is some uh, division among the fan base of whether or not we should run the risk of playing our best players and getting them injured for the game against Manchester City. And, of course, the Champions League match against Lens um, before that. Or just rest them against Bournemouth. and then you know, keep them fresh for the uh, bigger tests or the bigger fish that, fish that need to be fried. The problem is the confidence that's, that you've lot have gained from uh, last night's performance and obviously the fact that you are now into the round of 16 and alongside Arsenal, you know, that can't really be, um, you know, overlooked. And as I yeah. said, Craig, I think um, uh, Areola will be smart enough to try to bring some of those players who excelled last night into the lineup for the game against um, Arsenal. Um, he might probably still at least marginally prefer to keep um, Neto in goal, although um, Radu certainly, um, from what I hear, didn't really you know, disgrace himself at all. No, um, I thought he was last good. Night. Yeah, so, I mean, Radu really was signed only to be Neto's backup, but um, I think Neto, of course, will need to be quite careful. He will need to be on top of his game and not... Um, you know, lose his concentration, really. I do wonder if the captaincy might be taking a bit of a toll on him, but if that's the case, then you might be in trouble because who could possibly end up becoming captain again at such short notice? But This is the thing. Yeah, yeah. But um, as I said, you know, Iriel is going to play the 4-2-3-1. Emery likes to play the 4-2-3-1. We played the 4-2-3-1 under Arteta as well, but then, of course, we had to switch it around to accommodate a certain Mr. Nketiah. Hopefully, if Arteta gets some sense and decides, you know what, Eddie doesn't even feature in, in our plans, we're going to start with Gabby Jesus up front, bring Trossard back in, and maybe start with um, Reese Nelson, and then, you know, bring on Emile Smith-Rowe later on instead of um, just um, Kai Havertz or what have you. Pack the midfield with two defensive midfielders in Rice and Jorginho. Stick Odegaard in the usual number 10 role and have two attacking midfielders on either side and get and Jesus up front. And... I wouldn't necessarily say that we end up cancelling each other out, but it will be interesting to see um, if we have Saka and Trossard playing, for instance, or Nelson and Trossard, preferably, how they're going to exploit the channels and see how they take advantage of your back four. And if we're not careful, if um, Alexander Zinchenko goes walkabout, as usual, then it could very well be that David Brooks will have a field day against him. And don't yeah. forget the presence of a certain Mr. Otara, who... Um, I think very nearly scored against us at uh, the Emirates last season, only to be denied by a certain mm -hmm. Mr. Ramsdale. So, look, you've got the midfielders and the attackers who can certainly cause us a great deal of problems, and we're not going to forget the uh, result at the Emirates in a hurry. But um, 
you know, defensively, you are going to have to, you know, tighten things up and really make sure that you you lot are switched on. And as for us, look, we've got our problems. We're going to be stuck with the 4-3-3. I want to see Arteta go back to a 4-2-3-1, but in my heart of hearts, I know he's not going to do that. I know he's going to find a way to get Nketiah into the game. I know he's going to find a way to get our expensive flop Kai Havertz into the game. And... Um, he will, of course, tell Zinchenko to um, go walk about and be a part of the midfield, even if it means stretching our defensive line. I'm just grateful that we've got Gabriel Magalhaes and William Saliba back in. I don't know if um, Ben White will necessarily be starting. I'd like to see him dropped yeah. and um, Takahiro Tomiyasu come in, who didn't do at all a bad job against uh, Brentford. But um, we've got some problems, and so we're not going to expect a very straightforward game against you guys. And if um, there is a situation where you lot actually pick us to, um, you know, get a really good um, a good draw, even somehow a win, your first win of this season. Then believe you me, Mister Beasley, a lot of questions are going to be asked about a certain senior Arteta. Well, that is the big thing because, of course, I personally at the at the start of last season said Arsenal were going to win the league and. I remember. It kind of went wrong. Um, and to be honest, I think Arsenal were the most likely to press Man City this year. You know, of course, Man City seem to be dominant at the moment. They seem to be very, very dominant. But the difference is, is I know Jerry and Timber, um, it's been unlucky with regards to him. Um, but Kai Havertz hasn't really done anything in an Arsenal shirt um, and with Declan Rice. But there's a lot of money that's been spent there. A lot of money that's been spent there. And I think Arsenal fans expect now, or if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd expect to be the team that are pushing Man City the entire way. Um, and what happens if Arteta can't do that? If Arteta can't do that, then interestingly enough, um, there was actually um, a news item which came out last season where he said that he was actually considering quitting the club only to have a change of heart. And several of um, us who, I mean, probably not me necessarily, but certainly a lot of um, our fellow Arsenal fans were asking the question, why would he make such a statement like that? Um, was he really doing that to just um, arouse sympathy or did he really believe that uh, maybe the job was a little bit um, too big for him? And was it um, Kronke and Edu who convinced him to stay? Mm. Now, when you have those sort of doubts after the season that um, Arsenal have had, despite the fact, of course, that we were expected to win the league and we were in a great position only to completely, you know, muck it up near the end. Yeah. I mean... Obviously, he is going to have those doubts about himself, but you think a person like him would um, have the um, stubbornness and bloody-mindedness or what have you to say, you know what, I am the right person for the job and I'm not going to leave. I love it over here and the uh, fans love me, the squad loves me, I do a great deal for this team. I'm not going to walk away and I still believe that I am the man for the job. So why he would say something like that, I don't know. But he can't be, um, you know ignorant of the fact that there are uh, certain questions being asked about Arteta's ability to actually take them even further. And I think a lot of people who otherwise have uh, been, 
complimentary of him and the job that he did since replacing Unai Emery are starting to see that, um, you know, it's one thing to talk about processes and so forth, but as um, Brian Clough or was it his son, Nigel? I don't remember. It was one of them who said, the only way a process can work. No, it might have been Martin O'Neill. Mm-hmm. My bad. It might have been Martin O'Neill who said the only way that processes actually work is if teams start winning games. And that is the best way to judge whether the uh, process is working. Yes, we've won games, but we haven't exactly you know, won the uh, big prizes as of yet. And that is the uh, problem that we're facing right now with um, Arsenal and Arteta. So he can't not know that uh, he is under um, pressure. Arteta. He can't not know that the expectations have only increased um, in lieu of last season. And so he, I would say that the responsibility for him has only grown. And yet, regrettably, we haven't shown the seriousness required in terms of our transfer market purchases of really trying to push forward with the um, with getting the purchases that we need. And when I take a look at how like you lot, for example, have uh, managed to get Max Ahrens and Justin Cloyvert and Tyler Adams into the team. These are players, I would say, Craig, who would improve Arsenal leaps and bounds, um, even if perhaps maybe in Cloyvert's case, his um, you know he is a little bit slightly long in the tooth um, compared to a lot of other world-class footballers, so his best days may be behind him, but I still think he'll be a brilliant player for you lot. We just we just don't seem see, seem to have um, done anywhere near enough, and it's two hundred million quid spent on effectively three players: Declan Rice, Yuri and Timber, who's now injured, and of course Kai Havertz, who is on a king's ransom of a salary right now, yes. in addition to being um, a very expensive purchase. Mm. So, what exactly is um, the plan of Edu and company? How complicit is Arteta in this whole thing? And you know, the more and more we think about these things, Craig, the more we have a right to demand answers and just um find out um just um find out just what the heck is going on. And if we don't get any answers, then naturally we're going to be rather cheesed off over the whole thing. So there will be expectations, there will be questions, and he will now be judged more um strongly than ever, especially based on um like if, if, for example, he doesn't get um, any real good results in the Premiership or even in the Champions League, I mean, we should be able to qualify from our groups, our group in the Champions League, given that it's not really the most difficult. PSV are nowhere near the team they were last yeah. season when we played them in the Europa League. And Sevilla have um, re-signed Sergio Ramos, but I seriously don't think that will do very much good. But um, again, in the Premiership, which is also in some ways a little bit like our bread and butter too, in a way, because it enables us to secure a CL qualification for a little bit uh, for more and more seasons, we need to make sure that we build on the second place um, finish. Otherwise, that could just prove to be another um, tragic flash in the pan. And more's the pity, because we've been starved of success for so many years, and we're not about to listen to anyone telling us, be patient, trust the process, blah, blah, blah. How much trust can we place in a certain process? And again, it segues back to the issue, to the process that you're on with Iriola. There will come a time when if results don't improve, hard questions will have to be asked and hard decisions will have to be made. It's that way with every single club and Arteta and Arsenal are no different. 
And, you know, I think it will be an interesting game because I think both both teams play the same way, but it is a results game, isn't it? And, you know, uh, look at Sean Dyche at Burnley, you know, year on year on year on year. They didn't never played attractive football. They're the most grotty team to watch, but they survived. And it was only when Dyche actually left that, you know, they actually went down. And yep. Vincent Company has brought them back up, changed their whole philosophy. I've got to say he did a very, very good job in the championship, but they just doesn't don't seem to have hit the ground running. Um, you know, moving away from this game. You know, the Premier League at the moment, there's a, quite a few interesting stories. Of course, we've got the story with Chelsea and Chelsea, you know, completely falling apart. But also whatever's going on at Manchester United as well with Eric Ten Hag, he's under increasing pressure. Um, and with the likes of Brighton, you know, and cementing their place. And dare I say it, Spurs are looking very good this year. I think that the likes of Man United and dare I say it, for all they've spent, Chelsea as well, it feels a long, long way away. Even if they, you know, I wasn't impressed by Chelsea considering how much they've spent. Um, I don't think they've spent wisely at all. Yeah, um, you know, we're not really in, necessarily in a position to gloat over Chelsea because their decline actually started from the moment they sacked Tommy Tuchel. And yeah. um, even if, um, no matter how much you might try to justify that with um, the issues of performance or form or what have you, mm. um, the instability which it caused and certainly how things um, transpired on the Potter didn't help um, one bit. And then, of course, Potter was given his P45, Lampard was brought back, and we all know what happened. And, yeah. you know, Poch, we can definitely say that um, Poch inherited a huge mess when he rejoined, when he joined Chelsea, and it was definitely a mess more of the uh, uh, makings of the board than anything else. So it's one thing to say that we haven't been impressed by them, but here's the thing about Chelsea. In the past few games they've played, They've actually shown some signs that they are able to, you know, start playing um, decent football again. And a certain Mikhailo Mudrak, who was the target of um, relentless criticism last season as a guy who simply couldn't, um, you know, shoot for Toffee, um, he's now been, uh, um, been seen to be playing a lot better these days, especially when it comes to... Um, you know, how he's able to um, run effectively and also pass a lot more. And if he has some more confidence in him, he can start shooting again. And I wouldn't want to necessarily be one of the uh, teams that uh, is in its way, in, a, in, in his way in a way, because if he starts um, playing really well and he, we know that he can, you know, do the business for Ukraine very often, um, there's a lot to um, look forward to with regard to him. But with Chelsea, again, it's a question of, you know, it's not even it's not just a question of a lack of confidence at times. They also, in some ways, look very, very um, unprofessional. And uh, Poch has a lot to do um, in terms of trying to completely revamp the entire culture, try and change the entire philosophy if he can and try and work well with some of the younger players. 
also, it must be said that their own transfer policy has been a little bit disjointed. Um, they've spent quite a lot getting Moises Caicedo in, a lot, among other players, and he's had to take some time to settle in. You do get the feeling, though, Craig, that with most of these teams and players, they are certainly not um, useless players, and it will be only a matter of time before they um, are able to um, find their place um, in, the in the league never mind the team, and the results could end up um, coming in. But again, they're also starting to make a few mistakes, and bear in mind, they're also effectively a team that's having to start from scratch, much like um, Potter's former team, Tottenham Hotspur, under Ange Postacoglu. But while Spurs have started magnificently with uh, James Madison pulling the strings and Hung Min Son um, making himself seen and heard after Harry Kane's departure, Chelsea have just taken a little bit too long so far. But uh, once they start playing well with the players that they do have, um, watch out for Nicholas Jackson, of course, who's definitely a good um, purchase. Uh, they could start to do really well. But they also have a lot of problems. The leadership um, chasm is always going to be a bit difficult. Um, Reese James should never have been given the captaincy and Ben Chilwell, the vice captaincy, given their youth and um, injury issues. I still believe that um, Thiago Silva is more than capable of... Uh, playing well and leading well, but it could very well be that his time at Chelsea is coming to an end and, um, you know, the club are going to have to, you know, move on from him. And the club are certainly going to have to move on from a lot of um, players in that team who whose best days are almost um, certainly um, behind yeah. them. But Chelsea will take their time and they will somehow find a way to come back. And once they start playing um, some of the more nondescript teams, as it were, they could start to, um, you know, get their act together. And there are, as you said, um, Craig, several of the other teams in this um, div um, division have not really been able to um, get their act together very easily. And they've um, struggled a great deal, for want of a better word. Yeah. But um, it really will be just a matter of time before they start clicking and clicking for the better. And the other one, of course, you know, the other big team, Manchester United, um, just seem to be a bit of a bizarre case at this moment in time. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Um, where do you start? I mean, we thought yeah, Eric Ten Hag had it tough in his first season and he weathered the storm magnificently to get them a trophy in Champions League football. But, um, you know, more and more issues are rearing their head. Mm -hmm. You know... One, one thing I liked about the first season was how decisive they were in deciding that Cristiano Ronaldo had to leave because yes. he was becoming a bit of a disruptive influence. And now we're seeing a similar situation with um, Jadon Sancho. Um, I think it's fair to say that a large number of us still don't quite know the whole story, but this issue has got to be resolved for the, be um, for the benefit of the team ASAP. Uh, the Greenwood um, thing also was something that really caused um, divisions in the club. And then, of course, you've got um, several players there, the likes of Christian Eriksen and Casemiro, who are clearly... Um, I mean, they're still decent players, but their best days are clearly um, long yeah. gone. And um, United will certainly look to try to move them on at the end of this season, just like they moved on David De Gea. And hopefully the arrival of um, Sofian Amrabat, the Moroccan, who was, of course, a uh, linchpin in um, the Atlas Lions' run to the World Cup semi-finals. He will certainly, in my opinion, have a very big role to play in terms of how the team will be reshaped going forward. And he will lend a great deal of muscle to that defensive midfield area because that is normally more of his position. He has been known to fill in as a centre-back at times. But 
central defensive midfield is more of his position and he performs that brilliantly. So he will obviously relish the competition between himself, Ericsson, Casemiro, Scott McTominay and several others, especially with um, Fred having gone to Turkey. And of course, there is the issue of um, how do you fit Rasmus Hoyland and Marcus Rashford in the same team? Um, Rashford was brilliant as United's lone striker, but with Hoyland coming in, I'm not too sure Rashford is aware of where he stands right now and what um, he what necessarily Eric Ten Hag wants him to do. Some players like him thrive on being more of the uh, um, of the main man up front, the way um, Hugman Son is now thriving at Spurs in the absence of Harry Kane. So there are gonna, there are some issues with Manchester United, and they will definitely need to um, look into them and really try and solve them ASAP. And they're another team who might need to dip into the transfer market to try and get some uh, defenders into their team because defensively, I tell you, they look all over the shop as well. And uh, it's not an easy time if you're a United fan in many ways. And they, they, they do have some problems to solve. I do genuinely hope, though, that they will find a way to, um, you know, overcome all those issues and say, We'll um we'll find a way way through this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Well, I think that wraps up cherry picking for this week. Manny, pleasure as always um, to have you on, and lots of interesting points. I'm sure there's going to be more interesting points that are going to come up next week. Um, so we shall see how it all pans out. But of course, next week. I think is the start of, and a lot of people will say, this is the start of our season. You know, Everton away from home, then Wolves, then Burnley. And we expect a decent return from that. And I think it will be interesting to see, you know, whether or not Iriola has learned, not necessarily won this game, but learned from those mistakes at Brighton. Yep, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's the learning and how well he's learned that will, you know, determine how well they um, he moves forward. And one thing for which I can credit Arteta is that he has been proactive in making some personnel changes, which has improved the team. The only problem is he hasn't been in, he hasn't been as consistent with others. So Iriola might perhaps, um, you know, consider what his fellow Basque boy has done and try and take a leaf out of that book, perhaps. Well, we shall see. But Manny, Pleasure as always. I'm sure you'll be joining us for some more cherry picking ahead of the next big, big week. Um, sure, when, sure, sure. Of course, we travel. And, to yeah. And of course, um, you know, Bournemouth are playing Arsenal. We will be having a call in show with uh, my good friend Del Boy Gunner TV. I'm extending an invitation to you to come on to that after the game to discuss yeah. um, how you enjoyed it and um, where you see both our teams going forward. I also want to make a very small, and I will keep it brief, announcement. Um, I recently found out, in fact, today I found out about um, another YouTuber, a, a young girl who was um, you know, doing quite well, but also the target of some very vile abuse on social media. And um, sadly, tragically, I found out later that this um, YouTuber, who I never had the pleasure of meeting, by the way, um, took her own life, and I'm really sorry to have to end this thing on a sad, on a sad, sad note. But September is, of course, Suicide Prevention Month, and we are coming to the end of September. But this is a reminder 
um, whenever we do um, this stuff online for YouTube and try and put ourselves out there on social media, we are all going to be subject to a great deal of abuse at times. And some of us have enough um, thick skin to say, you know, sticks and stones can break our bones, but names will never hurt us. But then there is some abuse that can cut very deep indeed. And some people will need all the support that they can get. And so this is a final appeal and a request to pe people. If you want to criticize um, Craig or myself or anyone for, you know, some of the points that we make online or some of the things we say, make it constructive. You do not need in any way to uh, get personal with us or say, you know, you know nothing about this. You have no business supporting um, your club. Um, uh, we'd be better. Um, this world would be better off without you, because there are some people who just cannot take it. And I always say, whenever I come on to uh, a call-in show or another stream, that we have to learn to treat each other better. If we can't learn to agree to disagree without having, um, without being disagreeable, there's no point in having any sort of a discussion. So this suicide prevention month, as it comes to a close, it's another reminder. Let's. Be respectful of one another. Let's refrain from ma making any stupid um, and disgusting statements. If you are unwilling to say anything nice, just shut your mouth and stay in your lane and live and let live. And to those people who feel threatened by vile abuse on social media, let me tell all of you, um, you're not alone. You do have a support network. Make sure you get to your support network. And you can always reach out to people like Craig and myself for any kind of you know, protection or any kind of, I mean, maybe not protection per se, but any kind of moral support or what have you, because it's not so much a competition. We're part of a community and we have to learn to treat each other the way we would expect ourselves to be treated by others. So let's all be nice to one another and let's all take the initiative to nip this, this disgusting abuse on social media in the bud, call people out if people are being abusive and say, you know what, that's not okay. You need to either um, take back what you said and move on your way or at least offer an, have the DCC to offer an apology because we cannot afford to lose anyone to um, social media abuse. We need each other and without one another, our lives would be incomplete and this world may not go around. Let's treat each other better. Let's learn to respect one another. Completely agree and the thoughts that go out to the family of the young girl who decided to make that awful decision and you know tragic decision um and i do not understand these people who do go out onto social media to make other people's lives a misery and you know i think actually i will say a bit about what i've received you know there's been times when i've had to block a number of afc bournemouth fans and they're the vocal minority, as I call them now, because there's a silent majority that come up to me in the street, shake my hands and thank me for what I'm doing. See that they watch or listen onto the podcast on one of, you know, Spotify or Google. Uh, to be honest, these are services that I don't even use. And they're, the podcast is on there. And those people make this all worthwhile but there is those individuals that you know firstly make horrible comments you know um i had a threat the other day of somebody coming to my home with the hashtag hammer time which is just disgusting i um, saw that by the way yeah 
and the police have got all that as well. Um, but there is also been people who have made some false accusations of me. And one of these accusations has come after a comment was made by somebody within the Cherish Trust. Now, it was a bad taste comment. But one thing I can prove is I would never call somebody's employer to try and get them dismissed from their company for something online. And yet people try to make a boycott of this channel. People try to make and mentioned me in comments again. It's stuff that the police have got and it put me in a bad place on a Monday, to be honest, Manny. It did put me in a bad place because I thought, you know, I'm being accused here of something I haven't done. I've got the proof and, you know, I've shown the proof to the relevant people. One person asked to have the proof. Well, no, I'm sorry. You're not having people's telephone numbers, mobile numbers, you know. And but I did show some proof some gym times with regards to some calls which had been made to somebody who has trolled me for about two years. It's not nice. It's not clever. I wouldn't go to my extent and do that because people have got minds. People, and one thing I would say to those people is how would you feel if your son or your daughter or your wife or your husband or one member of your family was subject to that and did something like that poor girl's family are now having to go through because of some what somebody said online and more has to be done from social media platforms um like twitter or x miles need more needs to be done and I would have hoped Elon Musk would have been doing a lot more, but unfortunately he's shown that he hasn't um, because he's let Andrew Tate back on the platform. So He let Donald Trump back on the platform too, mate. And yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, Musk will be the death, uh, the demise of that platform, um, if that's any consolation. But, uh, you know... There are some people who are standing up and saying we're not going to um, indulge in any of that nonsense, and we're not going to allow him to cower uh, to sort of make us cower. But you know, uh, these aren't good times for social media companies, and um, you know, it's, it should now be on us to make sure that we check ourselves before we wreck anyone else. Completely agree. Everybody's welcome to an opinion. Everybody's welcome to turn around and say, I don't agree with this. I don't agree with that. You know, I wasn't a fan of Gary O'Neill. I was a fan of Gary O'Neill. But then when it starts getting personal and boycott this person and block this person, um, because there's been people within the fan base who I actually thought were decent people who have followed what some of these people have said based on something which is a complete and utter lie. Yep. And I think that's really where I need to end on that. But let's end on a good note. You know, we've got a game yes. coming up 
on Saturday. We're not going to let them win. We've got a game coming up on Saturday. Looking forward to it. Manny, you'll be watching. You'll be on cherry picking next week. Um, I'm sure we probably have a chat about the game afterwards as well, won't we? Some point. Oh, we will. Definitely, definitely. And just a reminder, we should be having a call-in show with uh, my good friend Del Boy Gunner TV. You are more than welcome to come on and uh, just air your thoughts. We welcome you, obviously, as a rival fan. And I know that you know, that if, if if you do beat us, you're not going to rub it in our faces. No. I have, I'm a pretty good judge of character, you see, that way, mate. Yeah, <laughs> I'm all right, and I'm all right. <laughs> you're more than all right. You're more than all right. If you weren't all right, I wouldn't be here, would I? No, exactly, mate, exactly. Well, thank you again, Manny. And... By all means, we'll see you next week. Everybody, please hit the like, subscribe, the bell button, um, and do leave your comments below as well. And we will see you in the next video. But keep take care of yourselves and be kind. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.